Tracking down the background of a nurse who worked illegally in Gander, Vancouver mayor is okay with racist symbol, more money for the military, but this time it's helicopters, and Antarctica risks losing most of its native species. Good morning. It's Friday, December 23rd. I'm Nora, and here are today's headlines. The first story is thanks to a CBC investigation from CBC Newfoundland and Labrador, and it's a very difficult story. They have investigated the history of Lisa Strickland. She allegedly faked having a nursing license and worked 25 shifts as an unlicensed nurse at a long-term care facility in Gander from August until November. The journalists have found that Strickland had served jail for the death of her son in 2017. She had been addicted to hydromorphone, and her son died of hydromorphone poisoning. She served time in prison for his murder, and as a result, she lost her nursing license. After she served her time, she moved back to Newfoundland, where she used someone who had a similar name's nursing license number. The numbers are publicly accessible in a database online. With this license number, she was hired by a private staffing agency called Solutions Staffing, Inc. CBC also found that Strickland, her proper name, and two of her aliases were also linked in a national public database of unlicensed nurses that was more or less easy to find. The governing body of the long-term care facility in Gander, Central Health, blamed the oversight on the work of the staffing agency, Solutions Staffing, Inc., So here you have someone who has lost their nurse's license, has a history that is relevant to working with vulnerable people, and still manages to get herself into a staffing agency position. Um, And not just a, a regular staffing agency position, but something called travel nurses, who in Newfoundland Labrador are often paid far more than local nurses, uh, and who've got control over their schedules. This system of relying on staffing agencies uh, for travel nurses is something that the Newfoundland and Labrador Registered Nurses Union has argued against. They argue that it puts further stress on the public system as nurses leave the public system and go to these staffing agencies for better working conditions. This situation also reminded me a lot of the situation of Elizabeth Wetlawfer in, in Ontario, who, while she was still a nurse in good standing, there wasn't enough system oversight Clearly, the system is so stretched that these private agencies don't actually need to do the background checks that they need to be doing. As privatization continues to get worse, plus underfunding and more strain on the healthcare system, I think we can expect to see this kind of thing happen again and again. Now to the other side of Canada, in Vancouver, where CBC News reports that the mayor, Ken Sim, the newly elected mayor, has taken the side of a councillor, Councillor Brian Montague, and his decision to wear the thin blue line patch. Now, Brian Montague is a former member of the Vancouver Police Department and, uh, as they say, a current city councillor. And he confirmed on Twitter that he wears the thin blue line patch on his jacket. Now, in the report from Greg Bowman, he quotes Matthew Norris, who 
ran for council and lost, but is a member of the Lac Larange Indian Band in Saskatchewan, president of the Urban Native Youth Association of Vancouver. Uh, he called out uh, Montague's decision to wear this symbol. Uh, Greg Bowman quoted Matthew Norris saying, I'm kind of dumbfounded by the defensiveness. You're adopting a symbol that causes harm to large communities across Canada. The thin blue line symbol has been banned in many city police forces. It's not banned in my city police force. I had an interaction with a police officer a couple of weeks ago and he was wearing his uh, patch. But this article doesn't really get into the history of where it came from, uh, instead relying on comments from Matthew Norris uh, criticizing it. So I did a little bit of looking around and I found an article from the San Diego Union Tribune. They were also grappling with the appearance of these symbols. And they reminded me that the flag itself is something that emerged in opposition to the Black Lives Matter movement and turned Black Lives Matter into Blue Lives Matter. Not only is it an us versus them thing, which is what I've seen some people argue, that it creates division uh, and distance from police to the people that they serve, but more importantly, it was literally just a reaction to people saying we don't want to be murdered by police. And anybody trying to repurpose it as anything else uh, certainly needs to have that reality thrown back at them and say, how do you justify then the fact that you're wearing a symbol that literally only became popular because people were trying to say, stop murdering us? Uh, certainly, that's what Matthew Norris in the article is saying. And uh, for the newly elected mayor, Ken Sim, in Vancouver to say oh, he stands by the councillor's right to wear it, uh, big red flags. I've seen a lot of people talking about this online. Um, probably normally wouldn't pick a story like this this morning because I've seen a lot of people talk about it. But uh, it's uh, December 23rd and there's almost no news. So um, not super strong from Ken Sim. Now to Canada where I've got a second story in a row of money that the federal government has announced to be spent on military spending. This time, it's not as much money as yesterday. It is uh, only, quote unquote, only $1.24 billion. And this time it will be spent on rescue helicopter upgrades. The Canadian Press article written again by Lee Berthiome reports that the money is about $200 million more than had been originally planned. These announcements, very curious, they're happening so close to the end of the year when people are starting to check out, but they made the announcement ministers Anita Anand and Helena Jasek on Thursday, late Thursday. Berthium reports, and I'm quoting, the Comorants are currently used to conduct search and rescue missions out of Comox, Gander, Greenwood. The addition of three more helicopters is expected to see the fleet expand to include operations out of Trenton. Military helicopters are something I'm very fascinated by. I have to be honest with you. Once I had the chance to talk to a military official at a party who was responsible for helicopters, and I asked a bunch of really basic questions like, how far do they go and how fast do they go? And uh, and he said, uh, well, I, I can't tell you that. It's, it's classified information to every one of my questions. Uh, so it's interesting to see that, uh, okay, um, they're used for search and rescue missions in Canada. Uh, I've got questions about whether or not they would be used uh, internationally as well. But uh, the story that it will cost more surprise uh, than previously stated and that this stuff is happening so close to the end of the year means that, um, you know, they probably don't want us paying attention to it. We should pay attention to it. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, of course, the NDP role in all of this, making sure that liberal military spending is unstopped while um, 
the NDP offers its uh, support to the federal liberals to govern. And finally, very bad news out of Antarctica. The headline from Rachel Ramirez at CNN reads, 65% of Antarctica's plants and animals could disappear. It's a reference to a study that was published in the the academic journal PLOS Biology on Thursday. And unsurprisingly, the report links the destruction of, uh, of 65% of Antarctica's native species to human-caused climate change. In fact, Ramirez's lead is pretty incredible. Uh, remember, this is CNN. This She writes... Quote, it was only a matter of time before human-caused climate change and pollution reached even the most isolated continent on the planet. The report blames um, not just planet warming fossil fuel emissions on the likely destruction, but also an explosion in tourism in Antarctica. This all made me ask myself, who runs Antarctica? And so, you know, while the article goes to this academic piece, it doesn't answer that question for me. So I'll end for you uh, with this bit of information, which perhaps you all know, and I just am out of the loop. But Antarctica is governed by uh, something called the Antarctic Treaty System, which was signed in 1959 by 12 countries who had scientists who were working in in Antarctica at the time. The original signatories uh, are, are countries who had territorial claims over Antarctica, including uh, Argentina, Australia, Chile, France, New Zealand, Norway, and the United Kingdom. You gotta love uh, Norway, the UK, and France really going to the other side of the world to just be like, no, no, this this place is ours. It's them that that manage uh, the territory. So. Uh, bad news as melting sea ice threatens Antarctica, and specifically this article very much focuses on the empire, empire penguin, the iconic penguin of Antarctica. But bad news all around, and um, that's how I'm going to leave you for the holidays. Reminder, this was an experiment. This is a, a, a practice. So I've heard amazing feedback. It's been all positive. Uh, keep it coming, uh, especially if you've got feedback that is negative. I'd love to hear that too. But this has been doable, very possible, and it looks like all of our systems are in place for it to be successful in the new year. So if that's the case, as of January 9th, every single day that I can, I'm going to do this for you. And I look forward to uh, to doing it, uh, frankly. I'm excited to come back, but I am going to take two weeks off. So happy holidays, everybody. Stay safe. Stay healthy. If you're feeling sick, stay home. And uh, if you're at work, uh, good luck. Thank you for your work and try to find some time off.